Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when and where you're listening to the show. Um, I discovered I have some listeners that are in many, many different time zones, so thank you to all of you who have been listening to this show at some hours, what I call a very, very early hour of the morning. And I promise you that the show will be going up for replays very shortly. I am planning on launching that for my birthday, which is June 3rd. I just decided I wanted to do something special for my birthday this year. I'm going to be 52. And I want to launch the podcast um, replays of this show on iTunes and on um the website, it's all about the questions.com. So I promise you it is coming soon and you will be able to get to listen and download all of the previous shows. And I'm going to have a special surprise guest for you next week on June 2nd, which is the day before my birthday. So I'm going to have a special guest, somebody that I just love hanging out with and being with. And I think you will too. Today, we're going to do a little different show. I don't have a guest today. Um, my guests had to cancel last minute due to some. Um, emergencies that came up and some scheduling things that they unavoidably could not change. But, you know, that's the beauty of live radio. I could have a guest cancel moments before the show, and it's up to me to figure out how to fill the airtime. And that's okay. It's something that I've learned over the years you kind of have to roll with. It's sort of like what happened to me uh, a week or so ago when I spoke at two events in the same day. In case you don't know, one of the things that I do for a living is I speak. I'm a professional speaker, and I, I'm what's known as a transformational speaker. And the, the difference around that versus a motivational speaker is what people say months after I've spoken is how their lives shifted or their businesses shifted after something that they heard me stay on stage. So they were transformed as opposed to... I don't know how, about you, but I've been to so many events where I've heard people speak and I'm all excited and I'm all gung-ho and I'm so motivated and then I leave there and nothing changes. And when I get booked to speak, I take it very, very seriously. And I happen to get booked twice in one day. One was an 8 o'clock in the morning women in business event and the other one was a 6.30 in the evening women in healthcare event. And I don't just speak at women's events. I, I speak to men's groups. I, I speak to groups that have both sexes in them. I, I tend to get booked a lot at women's events because my book is called What Would a Wise Woman Do? So they tend to think that, oh, you're the perfect person for a female audience. And what I started thinking about with doing two events in one day was, do I want to do that? Now, they were relatively local for me. One was 10 minutes from my house, and one was um, an hour and 45-minute drive. They were far enough apart that it would be okay, but it takes a lot of energy to do the speaking. What I didn't know when I had gotten booked to speak at both of those events was that I was going to have lower eyelid basal cell surgery. And I want to thank Dr. William Mallon and the folks over at Advanced Eye Care for taking care of that for me. And you can barely see any scar, and it's still healing beautifully. And But I didn't know that that was going to be happening when I had booked these speaking gigs. Now, when I speak, 
I dress appropriately for the audience. If it requires business suits, I wear business suits. If it's a more casual event, you know, I dress appropriately for the audience. But I always put on makeup, as a lot of women do. And I tend to wear heels. I, I wear what I call my power clothes that make me feel confident and knowing about the, you know, my topic and making me feel strong with it. Uh, if you've been in business as a woman, you know that sometimes you have to dress the part or dress the role. And over time, what I've learned is certain items of clothing or even just the act of getting a manicure, pedicure and preparation for the event starts to get me into the frame of mind. But now here I was with stitches on my lower eyelid going into this event. And in between the two events, I was going to have the stitches removed. But for the first one, they were going to be in. Couldn't wear any makeup even after the stitches came out because it was still a fresh wound. Couldn't take the chance that something would happen. Um, thought about wearing an eye patch for the first one. And I started asking myself a lot of questions. Now, since this show is it's all about the questions, I thought I would take this opportunity to give you a little glimpse into my mind and what was going through my mind as I am prepping for this event. So the first thing I thought about doing when I realized I had this eye surgery scheduled and that I was going to have these stitches and my eye was all swollen and then I had a, an allergic reaction to the antibiotic ointment. So on top of it all, I had hives on my face and all that other wonderful stuff. Um, I was like, can I cancel? Because I really don't want to be seen like this. I was worried about my appearance and that I'd be so focused on this misperception that the only way I can be effective is if everything is perfect, if my hair is perfect, if my makeup is perfect, if my clothing is perfect, if my speech is perfect. And then I started thinking about it and I said to myself, well, what is, what would happen if you walked out on stage with an eye patch on? I thought about it. And I went, oh, well, all anybody would see is the eye patch. So then I started asking myself, what is the most important thing that people learn from what you're talking about or that your appearance is perfect? So I decided that I wasn't going to cancel. And it would have been really hard because both of these events, I, one of them I was the only speaker and the other one I was one of three, but I was one of the headline speakers for it. And... I said, all right, the heck with it. I'm just going to go out there. I thought about the eye patch. The first event was at um, a little resort in town, and they do this whole pirate thing thing once a year. I said, oh, maybe I'll just kind of do the whole pirate thing, wear the eye patch, get a parrot, a fake parrot for my shoulder, and dress accordingly, and then play that in. And then I said, you know what? I'm not a gimmick person. Gimmicks and I just don't work well. So how can I make it so that... If I'm walking out there without makeup on and with stitches running um, a little more, a little less than a half of an inch down from my lower left eyelid, black thread, of course, because they never do light colored thread or anything. It's always black so that they can see where their stitches are and stuff. At least I'm assuming that's why the stitches are always black. How can I play this off, get the elephant out of the room? So here's what I did. I wore a very brightly colored, since we live in Florida, almost Hawaiian-y print kind of blouse um, tunic, 
with white pants, wore flats, no makeup, and I walked in and I said, I talked about the eye, I talked about the stitches, and I said, I was planning on wearing an eye patch and a parrot, but I couldn't find a parrot to cooperate. So you just got me, and uh, if somebody finds a parrot, let me know, and maybe I'll use it the next time. The whole place burst out laughing. I worked in the idea of eye surgery and perfection, and I have to tell you, it was one of my best-received ever speeches. Now, why was it so well-received? Because I was authentic. Authenticity, bringing real-life experiences into anything and everything you do, will win the day. Now, that does not mean being authentic if you have the worst crap life possible, that all you ever do is talk about the negatives and what went wrong and you're blaming people. That's not what people want to hear. What they want to hear and what's important for you as the speaker or the person living life is to talk about your experiences and then ask for help to move past it. Know that it is okay to not have all the answers. And before I made the final decision on how I was going to be doing both of these speeches, I talked to a couple friends of mine who are speakers and just asked them what they did in those situations. And it's like being on the radio. A few weeks back, we had a guest on the show who was calling in from her home in the Tampa area, and her dog was barking on the show. That's okay. It was great. It was a great way to bring in the fact that we are all real people. Our lives are not perfect. If your life is perfect, feel free to call in and tell me all about it because I would love to meet somebody whose life is perfect. I've never met anybody who has a perfect life. That's the beauty of living. So the second speech that I gave that day was at a women in healthcare event. And there were going to be doctors, practice managers, nurses, med techs, all sorts of different people at this event. And when I got there, I discovered that there were some male healthcare practitioners there as well, doctors, nurses, technicians of all kinds, and some people in periphery businesses to healthcare. I thought, well, if any group I could just be barefaced and talk about this surgery was going to be in that group. But I was still really nervous because this group of people was somebody I really didn't know anything about. They had booked me because somebody there had heard me speak at another event that I had spoken about, about vision to action and goal setting and accountability partners. Well, I stood up on there on the stage and I started talking very similarly to I did in the morning one, but I didn't talk about parrots and eye patches. I talked about the very real choices that I had to make based on the fact that I had had this Mohs surgery and the questions that went through my mind. And then I tied it to what they did for a living, letting them talk about amongst themselves and in their in their minds and in conversations we had afterwards about what's going through their patients' minds before they have surgery, before they walk into a doctor's offices, and letting them know that there's a lot more that doesn't get asked than does get asked. And most of these doctors knew that, but they it was interesting to hear it spoken on a stage on a platform from somebody that because you're on a stage, you're perceived as an expert on something. It was, again, an amazing experience for me, and a lot of people came over and wanted to talk to me about their thoughts on the whole asking questions thing, all because I was being 
100% authentic. Letting my fears about being on stage without makeup, I talked about it. And you know what? I had several people come over me and said, you don't look like you need makeup. And I really got that they truly meant it. But for me, makeup was putting on the armor, putting on the face and to clear up imperfections. Now, it's not that I'm going to go and speak on stages without makeup because a lot of them are filmed and frankly, you need makeup to look pretty good. But I got that it was okay just to be me barefaced. And we'll be back right after the commercial break and we'll talk some more. We are here talking with me. Me, 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 me. Hey, for once, it's all about me. This is kind of exciting. Hey, Jody, I love this. I don't think I've ever had anything be just about me for very long. So I got an hour of me. Very, very cool. Um, if you don't want to make it just about me and you want to call in and ask me any questions that you want about anything you're going through, you can call the studio live at 772 778 3500. That's 772 778 3500. So if you have any questions you want to ask me or you need to get some new questions for yourself, please feel free to call into the show and I will answer the questions with you the best I can. And if I can't, we can talk offline. Which leads me to the next question that I want to talk about, which is how do you deal with when you define yourself by your exterior? Now, I'm not talking about what Patricia Knoll and I talked about when we talked about her book, It's um, Good With Me, or some of the things we talked about with Dina Proctor with her 3 by 3s and Madly Chasing Peace, although that's all a big part of it. What I realized when I was preparing for those two speeches was how much of some of my perceptions about my skills we're still defined by external appearance. Now, I was reading in the paper today, and yes, I do still read the physical paper. I like the act of paging through it. I actually kind of like the smell of newsprint as long as it's not too um, potent a smell, which it can be. And I was reading about the Cannes Film Festival. And this year's film festival really was about the changing role of women in film. There were a number of female directors, a number of very, very strong female characters. Yes, I would love it if we got to the point where we don't talk about it's the year of the female or the year of the male or the year of the child. It's just the year of humanity, right? It's not about men or it's not about women. It's about people. But we're not there yet. And in the article about the Cannes Film Festival, it talked about how women were turned away from several of the events Because they were not wearing stiletto heels. They were wearing flats. Now, it probably took a lot for those celebrities to show up at an event wearing flats. Because it's become the accepted practice that it's the uniform. Women have to wear stiletto heels on stages of all kinds. And I don't know why. It's just the way it's been. And for them to step out and say, I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to wear these flats. And they probably looked fantastic in them, but they were turned away. So it kind of gave a mixed message at the Cannes Film Festival. On one hand, there's these amazing female characters like Charlize Theron and the new Mad Max looking like completely non-Charlize, who is an absolutely stunning woman inside and out from everything I've ever Uh, read about her, and I would love to interview her on my show. So if anybody knows her, please um, have her call me at um, 
772-202-2138. That's my work number that'll find me anywhere. I would love to interview her. But when you look at the these strong female characters, that's not about the perfect vision of a female who they're just being their interior, their strength, and how that is perceived. It's a, a little bit like what I went through preparing for the speech. I'd never gone on a stage without full makeup, proper dress, as what I saw as proper dress, proper clothing, you know, a business suit or whatever it may be, so that the audience could see me appropriately. And you know what? I still had the same effect, even with no makeup and wearing different clothing than I would normally wear. It worked. It worked because I realized that the strength was in my message. I had to create an appearance that would allow people to pay attention to me. But I did that in the first minute by talking about the eye, by bringing it into the room. If you have something in your life that is stopping you, bring it into the room. If you don't know how to bring it into the room, call me at the station at 772-778-3500 and let's talk about it. Let's talk about how you can bring what you perceive as a negative into the light. A mentor of mine once talked about fear and what she said to me was, what are you so afraid of? that you're unwilling to step out. And I really thought about it because I'm not the person that doesn't step out. I'm always the first one into a room, the the first one if there's a problem to step up and say we're going to solve it. But what she saw was there was another part of me that was sort of in fear, even though I was stepping out in a, a new realm, shall we say, when I started my IT company and women weren't owning their own IT companies. When I published my book and called it What Would a Wise Woman Do? When I started speaking for a living, when I started caregiving, all of that, there was a lot of fear to it. And she said to me, if you shine a light in the fear, the fear can't survive. And I didn't fully understand that at first. And then I realized whenever I'm really afraid, if I don't talk about it, or reach out to somebody or pray about it, then that fear becomes so overwhelming that it becomes the only thing I see. So if something is stopping you, find a friend, find a mentor, find a random stranger that is willing to listen to you so that you can face the fear. If if one of your fears is totally overwhelming, Google that fear or whatever that issue is. And I guarantee you somewhere on Google, it will pop up through some website somewhere on the internet that somebody else has been through that situation and you can read about how they got through it. You're not alone. You don't have to be alone. Um, Last week, we had Karen Deagle on the show, the CEO of Senior Resource Association. And I had been talking to her about caregiving for my mom. And as you know, on the show, once a month, we're doing a caregiver segment, caregiver support. And she asked me before the show, 
She said, Laura, have you begun to isolate yourself? It sounds like your mom is isolating herself, but are you isolating yourself? And then it hit me. I really had begun to isolate myself because I was so focused on taking care of my mom that I had let some relationships sort of take a back seat. It took so much of my energy and focus to care for my mom, to make sure I was asking all the right questions for her health and anticipating her needs since she couldn't vocalize them all the time. And I forgot about my own needs. Don't forget your own needs. In my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? One of the things I talk about is what they talk about on airlines. Put your own oxygen on first. Now, it's it seems easier said than done, but for a lot of us, especially for women, we tend to put everybody else first. Well, what happens when you do that? If you don't protect yourself first, like if a fireman runs into a burning building to save a life but doesn't put his oxygen mask on first, doesn't put the proper clothing on, what will happen? Nobody will get saved because the fireman will succumb to the smoke and the fire. If you're on an airplane and hope this never happens to you and the oxygen mask drop down and you're there with a child, the act of putting the oxygen on your child first may make you pass out because you don't have the oxygen you need, then you can't care for them, then what happens? So you always need to have your health, your welfare, your wellness in your mind at all times. And don't internalize and don't isolate yourself. Because when you isolate yourself, no light gets in. You want to open yourself up. And the questions that you ask yourself should be questions that open the doors to possibilities. One of my clients once called me a spark igniter. Because when we talk, when I work with her one-to-one, she says to me, you know, I never even saw those possibilities until you and I started talking. And it's like you ignited a spark. You brought light into this world that I couldn't see any possible light for. I love doing that. I love igniting sparks. I love doing it for my own life. I love doing it for others. You can do it for yourself. Just be willing to talk about the fear. Be willing to ask the question. Be willing to say to yourself, what do I need to do next that will get me out of the spot? We'll be right back after the news. Press Stewart. Hey, my wonderful, amazing producer Jody told me that a number of people don't like to call in because they don't want their voice heard on the radio. So if you have a question that you want to get answered, you can text me to my Google voice number, 772-202-2138. And I do have my phone near me, and I will be checking it um, during the rest of the show in case you want to reach me that way, 772-202-2138. That's also the number you can call if you want to schedule a one-to-one with me. And we can figure out some questions you need to ask, where you're stuck, where you need to shine some light. Now, I was recently asked at one of those two speeches that I gave a couple of weeks ago. What do you ask, what if you ask what you think are the right questions, but nothing changes? You know, one because do I say to them, well, you then you didn't ask the right question. You know, that's like what comes top of mind. But you know, really it's not. Sometimes the timing may not be right, or you may be asking the right question to the wrong person. Don't give up then. 
What I encourage people is if you ask what you think are the right questions, but nothing changes, you know, maybe there's another question you need to be asking as well that will unlock more possibilities for you. Before the news break, I talked about um, being a spark igniter, as one of my clients called me. Um, And what happens when somebody asks me a question if they're stuck in some realm is all these ideas and all these possibilities start coming to mind for me. But as a future guest that's going to be on the show, Marlene Chisholm, author of a wonderful new book called No Drama Leadership, will tell you is that sometimes there's so much resistance that needs to be released for the possibility of that light to come in that you need to start with a different question. And she's going to be on my show um, in June, uh, June 12th, actually. And we're going to be talking about how to reduce drama, the questions you need to ask, and really understanding alignment with your values and what you do on a daily basis. And I just love the work that she's doing. Her first book was called Stop Workplace Drama. She and I had spoken at an event together, and we've been friends ever since. And I just love and adore her, and I can't wait to introduce you guys to her. So that's Marlene Chisholm, and she'll be on on June 12th. So, But what if you really, really think that you're asking the right questions? I would say don't get discouraged. You want to look at your why. Now, this is my favorite question of all time is why. And there are tons of people out there that will tell you you should never ask anybody why. And when I go, well, why shouldn't you ask somebody why? They go, because it gets people defensive. Well, in my world... Why unlocks so much? Yes, it can get you defensive. But one of the best ways to clear through that defensive mechanism or the resistance is to ask yourself why five times. So if you're asking what you think are the right questions but nothing changes, ask yourself why nothing is changing in X area five times in a row. Let me give you an example. When I was... Starting my first company, it was called Guardian Angel Computer Services. I had offices in Connecticut and then eventually in Florida as well when I was going back and forth. And I was going to leave a really good corporate job. Forgive me, I had to wet my lips there with some wonderful water. And I said to myself, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I I really want to do this. I have this great opportunity because they were offering a package. It was a voluntary separation package. And I said, you know, I will probably never have this opportunity again. And some things had been going down inside that company around my position in the company. And the that really made me realize I had nowhere to go inside the company. I didn't feel valued. And I thought, well, if I work for myself, I can value myself, right? Didn't always happen that way. That's another conversation. But let's go back to the five whys. I approached my parents and said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this package, which turned out to be six months pay and a year's medical benefits, which was amazing for the time. And I knew that because I was in technology, this was before the glut of technology people out there, before the whole dot-com bust, so I'm dating myself. And I said to myself, I can always get another job. Because the skills I had were so totally 100% in demand. It was a relatively risk-free. But to my parents, when I told them, 
it brought up so many fears. They're like, you can't do that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? How are you going to, what if you get sick? What if something happens? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, you get the idea. This is what parents do. Parents worry about their children no matter what. Well, I almost changed my mind. And then a friend of mine said, hey, that's not like your parents. I wonder where that came from. And it hit me. What were their whys for that conversation? What was their challenge with it? And then I I started going through my whys, and I realized by the fifth time I asked why, it was because my parents were born in the Depression. You know, like the first one was they were worried about me. The second one was they didn't want me to ever be worried about money, you know, and so on and so forth. And by the fifth why, I realized my parents were depression or children, and you never left a job without having another one because during that era, you may not get another job. And then I started asking myself, why? Why did I want to start my own company? Why did, why was this so important to me? And at the end of the five whys, what hit me was I really felt I could make a difference in the world of tech with clients because I had had clients on the side all the years I worked in tech at um, the Fortune 100 company I was working for. And they're like, Lori, you just make this seem so easy. It's, you, you make it seem like technology is not overwhelming. It's not insurmountable, which is why we're going to be starting a segment in June called Geek to English, where I'm going to translate technology and show you ways you can easily integrate it into your life, no matter what age you're at, so that it's not overwhelming. And I'm going to have some amazing guests on the show that, Um, are doing some really, really cool things. But if you use the five whys, you get rid of the defensiveness, you get rid of the resistance, and you begin to see that you may have asked the right questions, but there's a part of you that doesn't want to change no matter what the answer is. And that's when you really need to sit down and shine a light inside that part of you that doesn't change and ask yourself why. Why don't I want to change? There's some wonderful free exercises that I have up on the website. It's all about thequestions.com that you can download and go through along with some sample chapters of my 90-week Amazon bestseller that hit four number one lists, What Would a Wise Woman Do? And you can download those sample chapters and then go through the exercises. And one of the exercises that I have up there for you takes you through some five wives on a very specific format. And it will help you. And if you are interested in doing some one-on-one time with me, you can also find that information on that website and you'll see where I'm speaking and it will uh, give you a, a link so that you can join me on social media, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. I love all of my fans out there that have been joining me on Facebook and Twitter. I love you guys. You're fantastic. You can also tweet me at the Laura Stewart. And let me know your questions that you have, and I will bring those to the show and answer them for you. And if I can't answer them in the uh, Twitter format of 140 characters, I will ask you for how to reach out to you so I can answer them directly for you. So another question that get asked very asked of me very frequently is, what if, how do you know, best way to do this is, how do you know when the goal that you set is no longer your goal. 
Now, I do a whole workshop on goal setting and mentoring and accountability and taking your vision into action. So it's a really involved question, but essentially, you know when a goal is no longer the right goal for you when your heart's not in it. Now, people think that that's a little crazy and a little out there and a little woo-woo because I'm talking about your heart not being into it. Well, if you are not in alignment with your brain, your mind, and your heart, that you're not 100% on board with that goal, you will begin to find a lot of stopping points. You will hit walls a lot. You don't want to get up in the morning. Your heart's not in it. Anybody been there? I know I've been there a lot. When I finally decided to take the package that I just talked about moments ago from the company I was working for, I had gotten to the point where I really didn't want to go to work anymore. Same thing happened on the day I finally decided to sell my IT company. There were all these forms of resistance of me. I didn't want to bring on new clients. I I just didn't care. I didn't have that constant excitement. So a goal is no longer the goal that's in alignment with you if you are constantly distracting yourself. But here's the caveat. If you are constantly distracting yourself and looking at other things, the goal may not be the problem. You may be afraid of achieving it. So you need to look at, are you stopping yourself from succeeding and why? I know I've done this myself that I've actually stopped myself from achieving the highest levels of something because I was afraid. Well, what if I failed? What if I humiliated myself? That's a big one for not only me, but for a lot of people that were afraid of being humiliated in public. Now, I've had situations on stage that were could have been totally humiliating where I forgot what I was going to say or something came out of my mouth that made absolutely no sense. I talked about one where I had stitches in my eye. You know what? I've decided that I'm not perfect and I'm just going to bring that on the stage. And I said, I have no idea why I just said that. All right, it must be somebody in the audience needs it because typically that's what happens. If I said something on stage or said something that I never planned on saying and it wasn't a hurtful thing, it's probably because somebody needed to hear it and sometimes that person might be me. So we'll be back after this break and we'll talk about some other questions you should be asking yourself. Hey, I want to give a shout out to Patricia Knoll, one of my favorite guests and a dear friend and one of my personal mentors who's listening to the station live on iHeartRadio. So don't forget those of you out there listening on iHeart. I love you guys. You're awesome. Come tweet with us at, at the Laura Stewart on Twitter. Before the break, we were talking about how you know if a goal isn't the right goal for you. I, I talked about, well, what if you're asking what you think are the right questions, but nothing changes, and how you can go inside and look at that. And one of the, the big epiphanies for me, the big aha, was that moment when, and I've been on stage for years and years and years, and I always felt I had to be perfect at it, was the moment I realized when I tripped on stage, literally tripped, almost fell, that nobody was laughing at me unless I was laughing at myself. Um, and I know that sounds a little confusing, so let me just kind of clarify that. That if I was embarrassed, then any laughter I heard from the audience was going to be perceived as 
they were laughing at me as opposed to laughing with me. So that moment that I tripped, I literally tripped up a circuit in my brain and said to myself, I have a choice right now. I can laugh at myself for doing something very human. Um, I also fell out of my shoe on the same same stage that day and made me realize that those shoes were not good stage shoes because I like to walk back and forth on stage. And I took this moment where I literally just stopped after I had tripped. It goes through my head, like 30 billion questions goes through my head of, of what am I thinking? What's going on? How can I, I turn this into a lesson? No, I'm not going to turn this into a lesson. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. And the first time I tripped, nothing happened. Then when I fell out of my shoe, I knew I had to say something. So you know what I did? I took my shoes off and I said, you know what, everybody? I can either fall off these shoes again and trip one more time and potentially hurt myself and then become a YouTube sensation, or I can just take off my shoes and focus on my conversation with you. And the whole audience applauded. I didn't realize at the time, but it was actually a pretty brave thing to acknowledge what had just happened. For me, it was really, really brave because I was admitting that I had a problem. And... A few people came up to me afterwards and said, I, I know you were talking about your shoes, but it applied in a different area of my life where I needed to take something off and get rid of it. I said, well, give me an example of what you're talking about. And the person said to me, I have a job that I keep stumbling in. It doesn't seem like I can be a success at it no matter what I do or how much I try. And what I realized when you took off your shoes is that maybe I need to take off that job. And she said, it got me thinking about what I really want to do, and it's not what I'm doing. Now, who knew that falling out of your shoes and tripping on stage could help somebody make a shift in their life? But that's what it is to be authentic. Everybody has experiences, you bring those experiences to everything you do. You have a choice as to whether those experiences can be stopping points for the rest of your life or whether those moments can be teaching points. I'm known for pretty much burying my soul on stage. I talk about my brother dying and how that made me feel and how I really learned how his dying and being sick my whole life created perceptions about how I needed to be in my life. I share because what I've learned is those that sharing can help people move past their own, what they perceive insurmountable moments in their life. It may not be a direct correlation and they may have heard 10 other people sharing stories similar, but as Les Brown once said to me, he said, Laura, your voice may be the voice that makes a difference for somebody. They could have heard it a hundred times before, but they were ready at that moment. So what I'm encouraging all of you to do is grab your moments, be in your moments, and know that what today may seem insurmountable, if you're willing to shine a little light on it, could 
open up the possibility that there's another way out. Just like I took off my shoes and ended up walking barefoot on that stage. Well, not totally barefoot because that was when I used to wear pantyhose with skirts and stuff like that. I live in Florida now, so I don't even know what pantyhose are. But, you know, I'm walking around and I didn't care that I'm walking on a stage and may get a run in the stockings or anything like that. All I cared about was that was a distraction. Those shoes were a distraction for me. And because of it, I could not focus on what I was trying to talk about. Look at what is distracting you. Get quiet today. Take a piece of paper. Um, Don't do this while you're driving. If you're listening to me on the radio dial, um, you can think this in the back of your mind, but I need you to focus on your driving, okay? When you get home, or if you're already home, take a piece of paper and say to yourself, how am I distracting myself in not a good way? For me, some of my distractions are caregiving for my mom. It makes it easier not to do certain things that I want to do because I have to focus on my mom. Another way is I've had a number of health issues lately, and I've really come to realize that focusing on the health is a distraction once again from doing some of the things I love to do. They don't have to be. There's a wonderful um, internet person, a sensation out there. She's not really a sensation. She's just pretty freaking amazing. Chris Carr, K-R-A-S-C-A-R-R. She was diagnosed with cancer and she turned her quest for health into an amazing set of resources. Instead of focusing on it to the exclusion of everything else, she shined a light inside of it. And she has shown all sorts of different questions that you can ask about the products you're using, the questions you're asking at your doctors that can show you other possibilities. So in her, in her way, Chris Carr is sparking a new revolution around health. And she's another guest that I'm hoping to get on the show. I have some incredible friends who know her and we're, I'm working on getting Chris onto our show. I hope you've gotten a lot out of the show today. For me, I'm actually kind of glad that my guest had to cancel because I got to talk to you about some thoughts that have been going through my mind the last few weeks, especially around health, around authenticity, about really being who you are meant to be in the world and how if you don't ask yourself the right questions, you can't possibly be all that you're meant to be. And I know that's, you know, slogans out there that people talk about, be all you can be, you know, the army and all that stuff. But there's a lot of truth to it. The best way that you can live your life with the most joy to the fullest is to start asking yourself better questions. If you don't know how to do it on your own, call me at 772-202-2138 or email me at Laura at Laura Stewart with a D, think of a wine steward.com. And I'm happy to set up a time for us to talk. I, I coach, I consult, I do one-on-ones with people all the time. If you have a group that needs a speaker, please let me know. I want you to begin asking better questions because I honestly believe that the right questions can change your life. See you next week. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.